The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. I'm Shannon Penrod. We're coming to you live from the Warner Center in Woodland Hills, California. So thrilled to be here with you this morning. I'm going to have Traven really quickly cycle through the different ways that can, you can connect with us here on the show. I, I, I want you to know that you can reach out to us on autism-live.com. All you have to do is go to the chat button at the bottom of the page. It's Wednesday today, and normally on Wednesday, whenever we can, we have Dr. Doreen Grampichet, and I promised you guys that we were going to have her today, and unfortunately, she is not here with us today for very good reasons, which if I could tell you, you'd be like, no, that's a very good reason. Um, and uh, we are hopeful that we will have her next week, and I do apologize to all of you. We are going to play uh, an episode from the past, and it's an oldie but a goodie, and one of the questions that gets asked in this episode is about the term recovery having to do with autism. And I guarantee you, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you'll wanna hear Dr. Grampy Shea's answer to that, plus there are other questions that get asked as well. Before I leave you and go to this recorded segment, I wanna remind you about what's coming up tomorrow and what's happening on Friday, because we got two great shows. So tomorrow on the show, we have Andrea Watkins from Learn to Learn. She is an amazing expert in the field of education having to do with autism. I know that firsthand because I utilized her to help my son at a point when he wasn't able to learn what they were teaching in his math class. She is amazing. She's going to be with us for the first time on the show. I don't know why we haven't had her on before. And then later on in the show, we're going to have Bob DeMarco and Tresha Allen. Uh, Bob DeMarco has been on the show before. He's an amazing uh, person in, in the field of entertainment and sound uh, from Bob DeMarco Studios. And he's gotten together with Tresha Allen, and they're coming to talk about their new venture, which is Ability Life Solutions. It's a video-based um, project that helps people to be able to get information about the things that they need to learn about. They're going to explain that to us all tomorrow on tomorrow's live show. On Friday, we have Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. Nancy Allspot Jackson will be joining me. We are going to have Leah Hirschfeld um, is going to be with us to um, talk about research uh, and a research study that you guys will be interested in. Vince Redman, licensed marriage and family therapist, a regular here on the show, is going to be with us. And for the first time ever, we are going to have author Sam Farmer, who has written this great book. Can you see? Because I'm, you know, I'm reading and I have green tabs, but they look black all these things that I want to share with you guys. What a great read, you guys. This is A Long Walk Down a Winding Road, and the subtitle is Small Steps, Challenges, and Triumphs Through an Autistic Lens. Whoo! This has to be on your list as a, a gift to give 
uh, to parents on the spectrum, but also to our teenagers and adults on the spectrum, because this this is the guide that says, okay, here's I've been there, done that, learned this. Here's what what you need to know to get through this. Oh, good, 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 good read. Um, and he's going to be with us on Friday to talk about this book. So that's what's going on the rest of this week, and the next week is incredible. Uh, but right now, we want to go to this recorded segment with Dr. Doreen Grampy-Shea. Stay tuned. You're going to want to hear her answer when asked about the term recovery. This is Ask Dr. Doreen. Dr. Doreen Grampy-Shea is the Dr. Doreen is an expert in autism. Doreen Grampy-Shea. Dr. Grampy-Shea. Dr. Doreen Grampy-Shea. Dr. Doreen Grampy-Shea is a visionary in the field of autism. Now you can ask her questions on Ask Dr. Doreen. Always a thrill for me to see you, you here. Too. I love my uh, my entire week better when I get to Thank see you on you. Wednesdays. That's kind of <laughs> <you>. <laughs> it's the truth, though. Um, and for those of you who don't know Dr. Grampy-Shea, she is a fabulous, I believe, the preeminent expert on autism in our time, and there is no other time, as far as I'm concerned, for autism than now. Uh, she has been working in this field. She officially, later on this year, can say, 44 years. That's crazy, right? We all, want, we all want her skin cream because um, <laughs> it just isn't believable. But, uh, but she has been doing that. And so over that period of time, she has worked with very young children, teenagers, adults, even mm -hmm. senior citizens. She has a wealth of knowledge. Uh, she, be, she started the Center for Autism and Related Disorders, which is now 180-some-odd offices yeah. and growing around the country with right. affiliates around the world. She also founded Autism Care and Treatment Today, and I want to say for anybody who doesn't know what that is, go to act-today.org. You still have uh, a little less than a week if you want to apply for a grant in this quarter, but she started that. They've given away over a million and a half, I think it's close to two million dollars yeah. worth of grants yep. at this point. Um, so she's an amazing lady, and Thank she gives us this hour every week that she can to answer your questions for free. So we love that and thank you for doing that. Thank you very much. We do tell people at the start of the show that there is no expert of any kind that could give individual specific advice. So when you ask a question, give as much information as possible, but understand that she's going to give you information of a general nature to help right. you to, you know, kind of decision tree what to do next and what to say to the experts who have eyes on the individual whether it's child or adult. Um, and we welcome questions from everyone. So uh, I want to I launch in because we have a lot of things uh, to talk about. The first question that I've got is, I have this question with the 10-year anniversary of me getting diagnosed with Asperger's. Mm -hmm. uh, there were some of my teachers in the beginning who didn't uh, get to see progress that I have made over the years. My question is, is it a good idea? Uh, and if so, how can I show and tell them? Uh, they were the ones who sent prayers uh, because back then it was bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I, as a teacher, I would really enjoy knowing how my students have progressed, for sure. Um, you know, so I, I think it's a great idea. I, I don't know if I mentioned to you, a couple of, about a month ago or so, I was... Uh, heading over to Florida, and it was a night fly, overnight flight. Did I mention you this did, to you? did, but tell them. It was just so touching because I sat on the f flight, and, you know, you're always kind of getting geared up for an overnight flight, so I was just 
arranging my stuff <laughs> and kind of getting ready for that. And then uh, a family walked in and, and the mom started talking to me and I recognized her sort of. And I was like, how do I know her? What? the relation and then three young individuals followed her who were her, her sons and uh, her children overall were like 16 I want to say 19 and 22 and I recognized them and then dad came in and he and I realized that these were this was a family they told me of course and this was a family that I worked with for many years here at CARD, and all three children had been diagnosed, all three. Wow. And they were, at that time, this is years ago, so they were regional center funded family, and so we would, for the boys, I remember we would get like over 20, 30 hours a week for a while. Regional center was very good about this. And then, uh, so, and all three have completely recovered, completely, and I don't, I don't want to give away too much information, but they're, uh, two of the boys are in like Ivy League universities, and they are, and the the, the youngest uh, child is still in high school last year. But very, very just impressive careers ahead of them. And it was such a, it, you know, when they when I finished, they were recovered. They recovered with us, but not the little one. But the other two had already finished. But they're so young at that point. They right. were like. I don't know, I want to say th 12, 14, you know? And yeah. when you see them later and they come back and they're like in their 20s and they're attending uh, Ivy League universities and doing absolutely, and just so social and appropriate with me on, right. and just so friendly and, and amazing and just like, oh my gosh, it was so life-changing for me and my husband wow. too, who's, you know, seen a few of these things, but he was like, he couldn't stop talking about it. The whole <laughs> He's still talking about it. But I was, and it's just so amazing to experience that. And so I think any teacher who is given the opportunity to know how you're doing years later is, it's a gift. If you are willing to share it with teachers, I think that it would be nice for them to know how you're doing. Absolutely. And um, I, I know later on somebody asked that they would love to be on Autism Live. I don't know if it's, it was this particular person who questioned. We've had a lot of requests lately for people who want to be on the show, and I want to tell you that uh, you know I like to make room for everyone. When if anybody wants to be on the show, there's a very specific thing that you need to do, and that's write to me at s.penrod at autism-live.com and give me a short one paragraph about who you are and what it is that you particularly want to share on the show, and and then that starts the conversation between us and. Uh, you know, we like for you to have a specific topic to come on and talk about, but this would be a good topic, for instance. Absolutely. Somebody who wants to come on and say, I want to thank this teacher, this teacher, this teacher. And we can even see if we can, you know, connect with the teacher. It would be a very fun thing to do. Absolutely. So s.penrod at autism-live.com. And, and that's to anybody that's out there. If I, I, you know, somebody was like, why have I never been on Autism Live a couple of weeks ago? And I was like, well, because you got to let me know what you want to be on. Yeah. is <laughs> a process and be a part of the process. So we, we enjoy that. Uh, okay. I, uh, I'm going to, we're going to take a break. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> and then we're going to come back because we've got some interesting questions here and stuff that you guys are writing in. So please stick with us. Love having all those wonderful faces that uh, are watching Autism Live. 
Uh, good job, Samantha. And we're back here with Ask Dr. Doreen. Dr. Doreen Grampichet is here answering your questions. We're having lots of <laughs> interesting gremlin things happening today, but we're here and we're excited about it. I, there's a, uh, a note that somebody had written in and said, Hi, Shannon, not really a question, but I have a compliment. But a compliment. I just recently enrolled my three-year-old son in CARD ABA program. The Good Doctor is my most favorite show on TV these days, so I watched your wonderful interview with Kobe Bird. Between folks like yourself, TGD, not sure what that is. Oh, The Good Doctor. Hello. Mm -hmm. And Kobe, I've been given hope and excitement for the future of my son, so thank you for all that you do. First of all, I want to say thank you. Uh, we love The Good Doctor, too, and I've loved uh, getting to meet some of the people who are Working on The Good Doctor, we have so enjoyed that our good friend Kobe Bird was featured on the show and that we had an opportunity for him to come back on the show and talk about that experience. And I love that you appreciated that interview because I took a lot of heat. I'm still taking a lot of heat on that interview. That, uh, And it's totally justified that many people have written in and said that I did not give him enough opportunity to talk because I'm a mom and I was so excited because Kobe is a friend of the family and I talked so much of the time. So we have to have Kobe back and I'm going to put tape on my mouth and just let Kobe talk. Because <laughs> I heard what you said. A lot of people were very fatutsed at me that I did not let him speak because he is such an eloquent speaker. You're absolutely right. Um, but I'm most especially happy that all of this has gotten you in with CARD. Uh, I just, you know, awesome. I know that they didn't ask a question, but... I would love it if you would just talk about what happens when a three-year-old comes to CARD and what's possible. Right, when you, right. When you get right. in at the right time and, and at the right amount. I, that's the other part of this equation. Right, right. So talk about what the prescription so, is. So, you know, it's, it's, and we all will go through, you will experience some difficulties and so will we. And those ha are just kind of logistical difficulties and they have to do with things like making your child's schedule and making sure your child gets all the hours that we recommend and getting your child's hours reauthorized. And these are all just kind of like logistical issues, which honestly we have no right to complain about because years ago nobody even had funding. So being able to be in this position is wonderful. Now that you're in, our goal will be to uh, increase hours and hopefully your child at three is getting a full ABA program, which means 40 hours a week of ABA or somewhere close to that. Uh, it is very, very hard for us to convince insurance companies that it's important to keep these intensive hours for the young children, but for the first two years, it is easier. After two years, it becomes much, much harder. So the one thing I ask for you as a parent is please dedicate yourself to this program as much as you can. It makes a big difference if you're dedicated to the program and versus not because parents who are serious about the program, who are dedicated to the program, do two things differently or a few things actually. They never cancel. So you never cancel a session no matter what is else is going on because really nothing else is more important than your child's ABA program right now, just for the next couple of years. Second thing is that if we cancel, if our therapists cancel, you will be very proactive about it and you will tell the supervisor and the, the operations manager and they will be talking to the therapists. And we have a very uh, detailed process for actually 
sort of writing up therapists who cancel. We highly, highly reward therapists who don't cancel. Um, so we're on your team in that regard, and we really want our therapists to be dedicated to your staff, to your child as well. Um, the next thing is that if you are dedicated to the program and committed to the program, you will learn as much ABA as you can. We have a fantastic parent training program, and it takes a ton of energy from us to convince our parents that it's important for them to get trained. So please, please get trained in all the areas that, are, that apply to your child. We will offer you all sorts of training, in-home, video-based, live. Um, you can talk to senior supervisors. You have sessions set up with your supervisor. Please get trained. It's really important for you to follow through with the therapy that the individuals working with your child do, and then they will follow through. When you do that, then you're just increasing um, what your child learns, and that's what it's all about. It's really about what can we teach uh, in the period of time that we have your child. Because all the behavioral stuff goes away, the challenging behavior, it goes away as your child learns how to communicate. So uh, when we teach the child communication and social behavior, language, etc., the child's be challenging behaviors just fade away because the child is no longer frustrated. So what becomes really important is, you know, when five o'clock or eight o'clock or whatever comes and the therapist is done and leaves, you can take those same techniques and apply them to your child so that they will continue to get therapy for all purposes around the clock. And that's important. And so the, other, the last thing is please have a very open dialogue and conversation with your, with your supervisor and make sure that the supervisor, that's the BCBA who's running the program, uh, is very involved and engaged and listens to your issues. Um, do not hesitate to take your issues further up if you need to. I hope you don't need to. But you know, we have hundreds and hundreds of supervisors and I wanna make sure that our patients are always cared for and so please don't worry about telling you know, the next person up. Be patient, make sure you just treat our people as your friends, your team, your child's team. Honestly, the biggest successes come to those families that work with us as really good team members and their understanding um, of our limitations, but also they are involved and engaged so that our people at the local sites recognize how important this is to you and then we will all do the best we can and given that your child is this young you are opening the door for the most positive outcome uh, because this is the this is the best age three age three to five best time for us to be teaching your child everything he or she needs to function normally in the environment to do well to grow up and not need us um, so I'm very excited for you, and this is going to be a fun journey. Um, every step of the way, you're going to get to appreciate incredible milestones and goals that your child achieves. It's fantastic. Um, good luck. Let's work together to make yeah, this happen. Part of the family. I, I want to say really quickly to consolidate, because CARD did a lot of research and continues to do a lot of research on outcomes and why do some kids make more progress than others. But there were three things that came out of a recent study that, point, that they could point to that said these three things indicate um, kids that will most likely make 
tremendous, the most, right. the most mm -hmm. progress. And one of them was frequency, how many hours. Mm -hmm. um, and, this is the number one thing. Right? Um, and then the second thing was having an experienced BCBA on your case, which CARD gives to you. Plus CARD has oversight over all the BCBAs so that it's not just one experienced BCBA that has eyes on your kids' uh, program. There are several. Um, that do and then the third thing was parent involvement parents learning what to do and parents staying involved That if you can put those three things together and when the, the going gets tough and it will at lots of different times If you can put those three things together and go we're doing though you're gonna do well mm -hmm. So those are the three things to, to be looking out for now while you were having this wonderful conversation uh, I got the Facebook up and running and we've got a lot of people watching from different places want to do a shout out to Cornwall, Ontario, Ohio, Phoenix, Arizona, Asheville, North Carolina, um, more that are coming up. But we also, you, you use the R word, mm -hmm. the recovery word, and we yep. have people who have questions and feelings and emotions that come with this and people are saying, what do you mean? Uh, somebody's just flat out, uh, you don't recover. Uh, from autism, I'm trying to, Augusta George is watching too. Uh, so somebody said, you don't recover from autism, you can learn to help them live and work with it. Um, and somebody else said, well, I just started watching when she said that two kids recovered, so I wanna know what she meant, uh, but I would agree with you with not recovering, but I just wanna learn more about it and about helping your child. We know that words have so much meaning for people that we attach uh, meaning to words. And, and sometimes when people use the word recovery, people have emotions. So let's define what you mean by it. But I wanna first ask everybody, I had to at a certain point, you gotta open your mind to possibilities. Right, so and I have to say, Shannon, it also evokes a lot of emotion in me. I bet. Because my entire life has been dedicated to this field, yeah. so let me just, you know, I try very hard to not get defensive as well. <laughs> so I'll, I'll do my best. Because there's, there's one group of people that I absolutely have no right to disagree with. And those are the folks who have a diagnosis themselves and are in some way find that word offensive. I have absolutely no right to tell you how to feel by any means and in fact I apologize if there's anyone listening who is on the spectrum themselves and they find the word recovery somewhat insulting I don't understand it but I respect it completely because it's your world it's your diagnosis I have no right to to make any comments about how you feel about a particular word that that somewhat defines who you are so I get that 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 population aside if you are a parent and you do not believe that an individual with autism has, not every individual, but that some individuals with autism have the ability to become absolutely 100% recovered, and I mean that. In other words, they have nothing different than any other child or an adult or individual, then I have issue with that. And I wanna talk about that yeah. because if you haven't seen it, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Now, I have, and, and I would recommend that the first thing you do is that you go, and I will define it, I'm happy to define it, and I will talk about it for as long as you guys want, but please don't imply that my entire life and the life of thousands of individuals who have worked in, in this field has been useless. 
if we didn't recover kids, there wouldn't be insurance funding for this right now. Let's just start there. Yeah. You don't get insurance funding for things that are just remedial. You get insurance funding for things that are classified as medical necessity, which means it's a life or death type thing. It means it's the difference in your child's outcome altogether. So this is, this is no joke, and it's not a matter of my opinion either. Back in the 70s and 80s, when we used to do therapy, recovery was published in 1987. The first article that published recovery defined it, and that study, I will go back and talk about, was a study that came out of UCLA, where I was. I was on that project. And basically what it was, and this was published in 1987, the studies showed that we had three groups of children. The first group received 40 hours of one-to-one -one ABA therapy from us at UCLA in the project that was called the Autism Project. The second group received 10 hours of the same therapy from us again. The reason they received 10 hours was because they lived too far away from UCLA and we could not access them on a regular basis. We, they were very far. They were like an hour drive. And our therapists at UCLA couldn't go out there that often. Okay, so they received 10 hours a week. The ones that were closer received 40 hours a week. And then there was a third group which received 10 hours a week of a different type of therapy from the other side of UCLA, which is now called Semmel Institute. Back then was called Neuropsychiatric Institute. And that was sort of a different, kind of an eclectic approach. After two and a half years, the result was that 47%, half of the kids in our intensive group had recovered as opposed to 2% in the other two groups who received 10 hours of therapy. Now, what is recovered back then, how did we define it? The way we defined it, it was three different criteria. One was that there was a normal IQ. So these individuals were tested on intelligence tests we tested them before beginning intervention and then after two and a half years to three years of intervention, and their IQ was normal. Normal means it was around 100 points. What else did we do? We also placed them in regular education first grade, and they were there in regular ed without any assistance. And this is, we're talking back in the 80s, okay? So that was the second criteria. The third criteria was an independent psychiatrist would remove the individuals, like would see the individual and say, no, this person doesn't classify for autism. Okay, that is how we defined it back then. Now, how do we define it now? Like so many years have gone by and we've learned a lot more about autism and we've seen different gradients of autism too, by the way. So the way that I define it and the way that we have now published on it multiple times, by the way, we've now also published on, uh, we had a publication that looked at 34 of our kids, I believe, and we went back and we checked not only their IQ, but also adaptive testing. So that's called the Vineland Adaptive Behavior Scale, VABS. These are all standardized measures, by the way. These are not measures that we've just made up and said, oh, they work for us. These are this is how any child would be tested. So the adaptive measure looks at things like daily living, socialization, communication, etc. And all of these children get to the level of normal. Normal, which means they are indistinguishable from their peers. Indistinguishable from peers. That's a very important term. 
So now when we call someone recovered, we look at IQ, adaptive functioning, social functioning, and language functioning. Those four things, as well as I even go above and beyond, and I test my kids on executive functioning and pragmatic language. We give a series of tests at the very, very end where we look at every area. And we want to make sure that the kids are really, really doing well in school. They have friends. They're doing fine. So yes, there are those individuals who still have signs and symptoms of autism. Those are not the individuals that we are classifying as recovered fully. Yes, there are individuals who will even lose their diagnosis. They no longer fit the criteria for ASD. You could say, for all practical purposes, those individuals are recovered because they no longer classify for a diagnosis. If they went and saw a doctor today, the doctor would not give them the diagnosis of autism. So for all practical purposes, those individuals are recovered. But at CARD, for research purposes, we go above that. We go above that criteria. And we do a ton of testing to prove that this individual fits right in the middle of peers, or in many cases, higher than their peers, because a lot of our kids are, have incredible memory and, and, and unbelievable skills. They don't lose those skills. They're just gaining, learning other things they need so that they can function in, in normal society. Many of these individuals not only go on to school, but they go to college. Uh, I, now I have been around in the field long enough where I have individuals who've been married. I'm waiting for my first married couple to actually have children so we can see how that goes. But what I'm saying is that it is absolutely possible for individuals to do extremely well. Now, not every individual, and we don't know why. To be honest with you, we will start with, the younger the child is, as Shannon said, the more hours they get. We've also shown these things. It's a matter, this is how I see autism, and can I keep ranting? You can. <laughs> Sorry about You're this. taking us to church. No, people are liking that. We have, uh, we have people from uh, northern India saying more on recovery, and, and I just don't people want, are thrilled I just don't, to hear. I don't want people, you know, many years ago, you guys, this is one thing about being in this field for 40 years. I will never forget, I was probably in my late 20s. I had finished my doctorate, I was licensed, I had just opened CARD, and I remember testifying, maybe I was like early 30s, I don't remember, I remember testifying, because we were trying to get funding for people back then. I remember testifying in court for a family here in California, and the judge, it, it, this is where I've come from, and this is why I get so upset with people doubting the fact that there's a lot of potential for people on the spectrum to, to recover. And I want to talk about that because there's, there's nothing wrong with having ASD other than the fact that it makes it harder for you to integrate and benefit from what society has to offer. That's all. Just as if you had hearing impairment. There's nothing wrong with it. No one's no one's boohooing it or saying anything bad about it, but it is definitely harder for an individual who's hearing impaired to use what's around them in society because they are, need modifications. There, it is difficult for someone who's blind. It is difficult for someone who has to use a crutch. Everything makes it more easy. If you are able to integrate in society, if you're able to benefit from normal education, if you're benefiting from having friends, all of those things, I think, personally, are beneficial to you. 
So why not allow us to teach the individual as much as we possibly can? How does autism to me, this is how autism is. So first of all, to begin with, I mean, I formed my own theories of where autism comes from. But from my perspective, autism is a diagnosis that has to do with the inability to detoxify fast enough from all these environmental toxins that we experience. These affect the child's developing brain in different ways. Some children will have very severe uh, effects based on uh, you know the developmental period. Let's say the child is very very early on and they're not able they they have high toxicity due to exposure to various things which we can't even measure. There's no way we can measure all the toxicity in our environment. There's too many types um, of toxicity and we also don't know the genetic composition that leads to this low redox. So. It's a combination of being unable to detoxify and being exposed to all these toxins, leading to the differences in how we learn. You know, I was just reading again last night another study that came out on sensory sensitivities. To me, this is really about the sensory input. Because if you look at a child, a young child, how do they learn? They learn by the things they see and hear and sense and so on. This is how we all learn, right? There's so much we have not yet learned and we're beginning to now learn about how individuals with autism see things. I mean, Temple Grandin tells us this from years and years ago when she was a child, that she used to see things in individual boxes, right? We now know through studies that individuals with autism actually when they see a scene, they are look, they're seeing certain things that we're not seeing and they're not seeing other things that we're seeing. Right. And, and you know what? I guarantee you there's differences amongst us similarly. We just don't know it yeah. because we are within the similar realm. So if I look at something like right now I'm looking in that direction, of course the first thing I see is the camera. But at the same time, without even diverting my eyes, I see you, Shannon, I see the screen, I see all the things in the room. Individuals with autism don't have those same exact capabilities. They see other things, like when they're looking at the camera, they'll see the logo on the bottom of the camera where I wouldn't necessarily. And so because of the fact that they perceive things sensory through their senses differently, because of how their brain was developing early on, they learn differently. It is just as simple as that. They learn differently. Now, when they learn differently, sometimes it is so far from what the environment has allowed us. Like, just as an example, if I'm auditorily, it's the same thing. They have different sensitivities and selectivity. So auditory, let's assume I hear sounds more than I hear language. One of my own kids said this to me. And he said this to me, one of my recovered kids, he said to me, I used to hear background noises, like the door screeching, much more prevalent than the sounds of language. If that's the case, you're never gonna learn language. You are going, because language is a background noise. Yeah. You're gonna learn to block language. So their sensory input is different. If we're receiving information visually and auditorily in different ways, we're not gonna learn the same way. What does ABA do? ABA adjusts that. That's all it does. ABA sits with the child and allows the child to learn through different modalities. It gives the child the ability to pay attention now to all the different things in the room instead of the logo. It gives the child 
practice at a very early age to listen to the sound of language as opposed to those background sounds. So ABA corrects or re redirects the learning of the child and intensifies it because a lot of our children start at three, I'm happy. If you start at two, I'm even happier because the child's learning has gone awry. The child is learning things like that little logo, like that background noise, and the faster, the sooner I get them, the faster, the more I can teach them. Yeah. Now, if I have a three-year-old, I have two years, three years, where I can teach the child everything they need to reach the normal functioning of a five or six-year-old. I will do my best to do that. And that involves lots and lots and lots of hours of therapy, but it also involves the parent making sure the child is sleeping, making sure the child is not eating anything they're allergic to, making sure the child doesn't have massive gastrointestinal issues and pain, because the more comfortable the child is, the more ready they are for learning, the more they're sleeping, the more healthy they are, the more they will take in. And the more they take in, if we all work as a team, the individual is taking in all this stuff, there's no question in my mind that individuals with autism can learn. That's, yeah. that's the key to it. How much can they learn? It just has to do with how much practice. If someone comes to you today, to me, and says, hey, at your age, can you learn Chinese? I'll say, oh my God, it doesn't sound like it's ever possible. But you know what, it is possible. It's mm -hmm. just a matter of how much time and effort I put into it. Yeah. That's what it's all about. So I'll take a deep breath. Here. <laughs> my, I, but no, I appreciate kids, it because we see the passion that you have yeah. for the subject and how much you love our kids. I just want to say as a parent that, you know, so often when we're at like a walk or something like that, a parent will bring up uh, a child and say, can you, I, the, at one of the last walks we went to, a dad said, can you explain to my daughter who's 10 what autism is in her little brother? And yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> you know, you know, rolling up the sleeves. Like, how am I going to explain this to a 10-year-old? And what I said to her was, you, you know computers, right? And she said, yes. And I said, okay, there are some computers that are Macs and there are some computers that are PCs, right? And she said, yeah. And I said, which one do you like better? And she said, well, I like this on this and this on this. I said, okay, there are brains that are Macs and there are brains that are PCs. But if all you ever did was teach a Mac PC language, it wouldn't get very far. That was really good. It wouldn't get very far. Right. So, you know, right now, but Macs are great. Yep. And Macs can do things that PCs can't do. That's right. Nobody's saying that it isn't bad. But if all you ever teach a Mac is PC, and I said, your brother's a Mac. Right. And right now, he's speaking a different language. His brain is speaking a different language. So he's getting therapy, and he's going to learn how to translate the languages. It's yep. not going to change the fact that he's a Mac right but he is not going to be held back by the fact that you speak a different language absolutely i mean shannon i experienced this a lot of times myself when i'm learning different languages right when i was learning german i remember that like in the beginning i would be in germany and people are talking and i'd be like okay i got that word i got that one but this is way too hard i'm just going to do my own thing and I'd find myself becoming more and more isolated, not isolated because I'd be going out with my husband and his family, but it was more about like, I just would kind of like my brain would start floating to other topics because I couldn't understand what's going on around me. As time passed and as I learned more and more single words, even to this day, when I go back, I completely understand everything now. 
And I never even took a single class in German at all. It was just a matter of practice and exposure, and I could pick it up. An opportunity. And I know it's the same thing, because I went through, it's the same exact thing as learning languages. When we, and as you said, you know, the, the Mac PC thing is the same exact thing. We, as kids, our kids are amazing. Sometimes I'll see children who are like five years old, and they're still the sweetest human being ever. They have no aggression, yet they can't communicate at all. And I think to myself, oh my dear Lord, how is this little guy not getting aggressive? How is this yeah. guy not getting ticked off because no one understands him? And I always tell the parents, it's because of you. The parent has been amazing as figuring out yeah. what his needs are. And you know what? You need to stop. Like, this is the very interesting thing. I think you may have said this to me or some, a parent, a mom said this to me and said, do you realize that when they're babies, right, we all, we have to figure out with our babies why they're crying. Is it a cry because they need a diaper change or they're hungry or they're angry or hurt, right? What's yeah. going on? Yeah. So we figure that out. With kids with autism, we never stop that. Yeah. And with normal, typically developing kids, at some point we're like, you're two years old, you need to use your words, yes. you know? And with, we don't do that with our kids. The reason I get so passionate about this subject of recovery is that personally I feel that if I don't set a high enough bar, I am not doing what I'm meant to be doing. I am accepting less than my child, the child that I'm working with, can produce. And then I'll be no different from everyone else who's just babysitting. And that's not what my world is about, nor is it what anyone at CARD is supposed to be doing, because our goal is not to maintain the kids where they are. Our goal is to teach them. And whether we can teach them one new subject or content or a thousand, we have to push. We have to push higher and higher because otherwise we're just accepting and the child will not go beyond the limit we set for them. As far as I'm concerned, individuals with autism have no limits. There is no upper limit. I want to push them for the rest of their lives to do to be happy to do the best they can. And it's not really about recovery or not recovery, it's just about that limit. It's about never expecting the child to do anything less than I would expect anyone else yeah. to do. I think too, and uh, one of our colleagues has asked me to do more on the show about recovery, and I expressed to him, I said, you know I want to, but it always ends up in a, in a discussion because it's a very volatile word for people. It is. But I do think that, uh, and I'm just going to apologize and say we're going to do, uh, that we're not having done this before, I'm going to apologize. We have to show more of it because just like when your husband is still talking about having met these people and yeah. to say, oh my gosh, he lives with you and knows what you do and sees everybody, but when you see it and you and then and you can see where it came from, I think in the beginning people go, oh, even people who've been around it for a while, they go, oh, I didn't know that was possible. That's right. We, you know, we started at Card. We had heard what was possible, and then about <sighs> I, I, we had been having therapy for four years, and I introduced my husband to an adult who had recovered. And we had a whole conversation with him, and then afterwards we walked away, and I said, wasn't that amazing? Don't you feel like that's so incredible? And he said, it was a great conversation. What are you getting so excited about? And I said, you understand who that was that you just talked to. You understand that he was a kiddo on the spectrum. He's, he's one of the recovered kids. And my husband clutched his chest. 
And said, oh my God. And said, are you, the guy I was just talking to that we were talking about, are you talking about that guy? That guy is a recovered kid. That guy had, a, and my husband was overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he said, oh my gosh, Shannon, you see this all the time. That's the first time I've, I've ever seen. seen it. I need to be showing you more of that. So that's what I'm going to do. And honestly, for, for our viewers, please go on Amazon and order Recovered Journeys Through Autism. I made that film because it was four parents who went through this exactly thing, the thing that you guys are going through. These are parents who were at very high level university settings getting their kids diagnosed and were told, put your child in special ed, just save your money, you're gonna need it later on, uh, your child's never gonna recover, this is not something that you recover from, all that sort of stuff. And this is, we're talking you guys back, you know, 90s, early 90s. And they didn't believe it and they put all their efforts into it and you will see these children when they started and you will see these children at age 13, whatever, 11, 17, when they're done. And I wish, I don't have time right now, but one of my dreams is to do a follow-up on those kids because, you know, you'll, the, the child who on there is, to me, looks the most severe is, I can't even tell you how, what he's doing right now in the world because it's so high level. And he's, you know, all four of those kids are doing incredibly well in their worlds. They are lecture, one of them is lecturing across the world about various things. They are more than recovered. Not so. about autism. I want to point out he's not lecturing about autism. No, he's, he's lecturing about scientific He's talking techniques. about science. And he's, he's, got, he's getting his PhD in an area of science. And I, it, it, honestly, when I listen to his lectures, I'm like, good Lord, like, <laughs> wow. You gotta love it. So, you know. Okay. I'm gonna, because we're gonna take me. a break. I, no, I'm gonna stop you. We're gonna take a break because you guys are writing in things. Um, we wanna got, read them. People, people's interest. Um, and you guys wanna know about funding. And we've got a mom who's going it alone, who's, who's hit a little bit of a wall here that I wanna make Absolutely. sure that we support. Short break, we'll be right back. Stick with us. Hurts my heart when I see those baby pictures of my child. <laughs> are all moms know. like that? Do you go, oh, like it's just pain. Uh, but anyway, we're here with Dr. Doreen Grampy-Shea, and she is answering your questions in real time. We had a, a lengthy discussion about, I think, good things. One of the things uh, that somebody wrote in and said, but what's the cost of the program to right. get the help? Because she says, so, we see so many times that uh, there are programs to help our kids, but they're all, you know, double dollar signs. And yeah, that's so certainly it, true with ABA. It is definitely true because it's very human intensive so you know I will never for every hour you need a therapist and the therapist the price of therapists is going up 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 because credentials are increasing which means they have to get more and more training so it is very expensive and yet the cost of what insurance will pay sometimes is, is, is going, going down 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 yes which it is. is not the way it things is. should they want more credentialing and they want to pay the people less it's gone down a third over the last a third over the last like maybe five years. And yet, they down. want more credentialing, more Absolutely. time spent, and so that equation is hard for it's everyone. It's very hard for providers. It's, it's incredibly hard because we have to cover all of their overhead costs as well. But anyway, for a parent, what there, you have to, if you are able to go to a state where there is insurance, which now we have, how many states do you know? 40? We, we are three away from being fully 50. Yeah, so we're really almost there. 47 states have mandates. Most of these mandates are pretty good mandates, and therefore that means your health insurance should cover it. Medicaid covers this. 
we we accept Medicaid everywhere in the country. And uh, I really recommend that you uh, put efforts into trying to get that going because, you know, unless you're a, a millionaire, it's very hard to cover the cost of this type of thing. How much does it cost? It's, it probably costs around, I want to say, sixty to 80000 a year. And your child is going to be looking at two to three years at least so of that intensity and of course then as the intensity goes down the cost goes down now in the old days you know before we had insurance there were people recovering their kids how did they do it they got others to help now there's a lot of different places you can go one of the kids on um, recovered the video uh, mom was in rural rural Idaho and I she used to I get all, honestly, she was in a very small village, and she's one of my heroes because she got, you know, everyone in this town to come and train with us, and we would fly out there and train everyone. So the neighbors would all come. It was unbelievable. Like she had neighbors doing two hours, four hours a week, every week, just as a service to the family, and that's how we added up the forty hours, and it was amazing. Yeah. She did a lot of her work, uh, the work herself, and she was incredible. But the truth is that this is not something I recommend anybody does on their own. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it if I wanted to get involved with doing it for my own kids. It's too much. And it's just too emotional for the parent, too. It's too much. So you've got to get help. And, and honestly, you know, uh, we talk here about what's, you know, good, better, best, right? Um, and Dr. Grandpache has given you guys a lot of resources if you don't, if you're not near a card office. Right. Although she's opening more card offices, but there's the card book. Yes. Uh, we actually had a question about that that I don't know if we're going to get to. Um, but there's the card book. So for people that don't have internet, there's skills. The that's biggest resource to you. that we have, I um, think, is skills, and that's why I made it. And made it for parents. And and a companion to skills is IBT. That's right. Um, that an Institute for Behavioral Training. So you can get trained in all the things that a therapist get trained gets trained in on IBT, and you can get all the lessons that CARD has at skills. Um, and and you can use IBT to train your neighbors. You don't uh, you know it might be helpful to have somebody. There are times that you can do a consultation. Uh, and, but you can become a registered behavior technician. You can become a board-certified autism technician um, through IBT, and your neighbors can, and the local sorority can, and the Kiwanis Club can. And, um, and the cost of it is incredibly low. I, mean, I don't know exactly what the full training package costs, but honestly, it's got to be less than $500 or yeah, something. I, it's I, not that much. And you I can think it's use like it. 425 There you go. And you can use it for as many people as you want and and you can repeat it you can do whatever you need to do to get all these people trained this i don't know there i think there it's at 70 something a month yes and you have access to more than you need on here between the two you can actually get this done at extremely low cost so we actually have a discount that is, is going to be go. coming from, if you are an Autism Live uh, viewer, and I'm, I'm not sure what the code is, but I think it's A-Live. So if you go to order skills, tell them that. Say Shannon sent you and there's a code. I think it's A-Live. I'm going to get that to you guys uh, this week. I'm going to do that so you can get a discount on it because you're a viewer of Autism Live. So there's that. Um, now, 
you still have a ways to go and it's still a lot to do and it's a Herculean effort, but yes. it's so much better than, than it's not. It's the cookbook. You, we're giving you the training. We're giving you kind of the curriculum. We're giving you the assessments that are necessary. We're giving you the ability to measure your child's progress and to know exactly what to teach next. Okay, so all of that is there. It's just a ton of work. And it's I want a to lot go, of work. I want to go right now to, we had a question from our West Virginia mom. She said, hello, uh, West Virginia mom here. My question is, what should be my realistic goal of time spent daily doing ABA? As you know, both of my kids are on the spectrum, and I had to pull my daughter in homeschool due to severe bullying. I'm finding it more and more difficult to schedule time for one-on-one -on -one time working with them. I knew it would be difficult doing it on my own as we have no resources to cover the cost of ABA. And I was not, uh, and I was not prepared for how difficult it is even with years of training. I go through these periods where everything is working well and these other phases, like now, where I'm almost in a panic. Can't get my hands on enough uh, research and articles and information and I get incredibly overwhelmed. What should my realistic goals be with each child in terms of amount of therapy done? I know that varies by person, but any input at all would be greatly appreciated and thanks for all you guys do love from West Virginia. Um, it's a two uh, yeah. that I know that you're trying to work, and and I want to say that I see what you're doing, and you are an amazing, amazing mom, man. Yeah, honestly, I wish there was a way I could help you more because you are an amazing mom. Uh, you know, it's hard. It, I can't give a prescription because I don't know the kids. When you have young children, generally the rule, the general rule is if the child is starting below the age of, I want to say, four, four and a half, then you should be trying to do an intensive program, which is like 30 to 40 hours a week. And you should do that as long as the child is going at a very fast pace. Um, if the child is not it doesn't matter how what level of impairment they have when they're that young you should just give the child full force when the child becomes school age and starts getting into like seven and eight then you sort of need to readjust your program because there's all these other things that are now hitting the child's world you know sometimes I'll even tell parents the child's doing so well like don't worry about academics right now math is not as important as language you know so You'll have to make those choices when the child gets to a certain age. The older you get, the less funding there will be for it, and the more severe the end. We just, we just actually did an analysis, Shannon, of our database of, we looked at 3,400 children, and we concluded that what definitely what is being recommended, we're very happy about, is that the more severe the child's needs, um, then the more support, so the more hours they should be getting with severity. Um, and that is true all the way up to 18. Okay. Um, when we're looking at a child who's past, sometimes past 18, there's all kinds of variation, but literally we looked at ages two to 18, and we noticed that if the child is more severe, like they have more symptoms, they are definitely getting more hours. That's the way it should be. Uh, but you know, you're one mom and two kids. I don't know how you can do this. You yeah. just, I wish you could get more people involved. And why don't you have funding? You should have funding in Virginia. Okay, so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Uh, you have my email, but I'm going to give it to you again s.penrod at autism live.com. Let's you and I connect and, and come up with a plan because things are constantly evolving. And I know when I see you saying that you know, you're doing more research and stuff. 
and and I understand that. I get that. Uh, you and I totally, I totally get it. But let's use your time productively. Um, let's make sure that you're getting everything that you can get. And let's let's beat the bushes, as they say, and see if there's more that we can find in those bushes. Uh, how about that? So uh, we put we're past time for you because yes, uh, yes. I know that we have to let you go. But we want to thank you. It's my pleasure. And thank you for the inspiration. I hope I didn't talk. offend any of our viewers. I just get very passionate about what our kids are able to do. Well, I, you know, and and I have seen what you do firsthand. So I'm going to say to you, you stay passionate. You don't need to apologize. Thank you. I will take whatever guff. Um, that That's what I will do. Thank you. <laughs> and then we'll sort it all out. But it's all good because when people are on your side, you got to recognize it. She's on our side. <laughs>